0: Or before we sing our final carol, uh, it's my privilege to uh, wrap up our story of Christmas uh, this afternoon. I recently came across uh, this picture. Some of you may have seen this picture before. I don't know if you have a rubber duck in your bath, but I'm sure you don't have a rubber duck with two heads like this one. This is a sculpture that won a competition. In the, in, in the States um, it is on display the river in the background is the Mississippi River and the idea behind this sculpture was that the artist wanted to convey humorously history, this is meant to be a symbol of history and all of the traffic that had gone up and down the Mississippi River and um, it reminded me a little of what we've been trying to do today. We've been, in a sense, looking right back to the very beginning of time, right back into the past. And we ended in our last scene by looking forward, way forward into the future. But this this image of looking backwards and looking forwards is also, in a way, th- this is true, for a follower of Jesus in a special way. Obviously, we all live in the here and now, but a Christian believer is someone who is always looking back to the first coming of Jesus and at the same time looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. When we're looking back, and another slide will come on here. When we're looking back, we're really looking back to a cross and seeing that the first coming of Jesus is really what our relationship with God depends upon. My failure is dealt with by Christ stepping in to my shoes and taking the consequences of my own sin against the beauty and purity and holiness of an amazing God. And actually, the great beauty and goodness of God is actually seen most clearly and most vividly in the mercy and kindness that he shows to people like me and to people like you who don't deserve any of this kindness. This kindness of God does demand, though, a personal response. The most famous verse in the Bible is probably in John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 16, and it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, when we look back, we're seeing that God sent his only Son to be our Savior. And he requires that we respond to that by believing in his Son. A true Christian is someone who realizes and knows and believes that Jesus Christ is the great remedy for our human selfishness and problems. But what about looking forward? We can look back to Jesus' first coming and see him there as a saviour, But the message of the Christian gospel is also one of looking forward to a future hope. Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose again. He appeared to his disciples over a few weeks before he ascended back to his father in heaven. So this Jesus is not some dead figure from the past, but actually the great king over all human history. There will be a day when this same Jesus returns to this earth, not then in humble circumstances like the first time, and not this time to die, but his coming will be in all his true glory. His first coming was all about the cross, which was for our salvation, his second coming is all about his crown and the future glory of a new creation. I I think there's a great challenge for all of us in this. The Bible describes a God who is lovingly pleading with people who have rebelled against him and who are lost to come home and receive his love and forgiveness and kindness and mercy. And those who do that have a great confidence When they look to the future, Christ will come again for all those who trust him and who are looking forward to his appearing. But for those who refuse his grace now, the coming of Jesus is perhaps not something to look forward to. It will be a day of truth, of things being laid bare. And for many, when Christ comes again, it will be a day of shame and of regret. Our little series over Christmas, most of you know now, has been the idea, this changes everything. We've thought during December about Christ being the light in our darkness. We've then thought about Jesus being the comfort in our pain. Last week in our carol service we were thinking about Jesus being the peace in our conflict. I want to finish this afternoon with the idea that Jesus in himself is the hope in our struggle. The word hope in in our English language is a bit uncertain. We talk about hoping for the best. But the word hope in the New Testament is a much more confident word. The Bible speaks about Christian believers possessing a living hope. Biblical hope is described as a sure and certain hope. And the reason for that hope being sure and certain is because the future does not depend on our efforts or our achievements. The future is secure Because it depends on the faithfulness and power of God Himself. But here's the thing Christ has come, and all of you who believe in Him are secure now in a new relationship with God. But you still live in this world. You still face struggles. You still face difficulties. You still have fears and anxieties. So there's always this tension. You know God and trust in Jesus. You are fully his now. But what you will be isn't yet fully realized. There's a kind of now and not yet tension. So for a true follower of Jesus, this life is a life of patient hope. It involves looking back with confidence to what Christ has already done for you. And it involves looking forward with patient endurance as you wait for all this to be fully consummated. A Christian can look back to the cross and say my failure is dealt with and I am clean. And a Christian can look forward to with hope and say, my future is secure because God is faithful. And that means that you and I can live patiently now and know God's near presence this very day and every other day. As we draw Christmas series to a close, the last thing that I want to do is just read some verses from, I think, I I think these verses are my favorite verses in the Bible. They're found at the end of Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament. And let me close by reading these words. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that his son might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, Those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things... All do it. Amen.